Welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast Global Fresh Series. Your audio source for international produce markets, trends, market reports and community discussion. Join us somewhere in the world as we cover all aspects of the international produce and supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Juanita Galio. Hi everyone! Welcome to our global series of the Produce Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Juanita Galio. Today is July 19th, 2023. We're really pleased that you could join us. Before we get started, we'd like to give you some special announcements. Most importantly, today you won't want to miss our networking event beginning at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Join us for a lively discussion with our featured guest, Mimo Franzone of Longo Brothers, sponsored by Wholesale Ware of Grub Market. On the international front, registration is now open for the Global Summit 2023 held in Murcia, Spain, August 16th and 17th, with this year's theme, Beyond Innovation, all about the latest developments in new grape varieties for a healthier future. Attendees will have the opportunity to have prepared visits to commercial fields customized for each country. How cool is that? Hold on to your hats as we take our visitors to Chile today with side trips to Hong Kong, China, and Taiwan. Let's go ahead and meet our featured guest. It is my pleasure to introduce the North American Managing Director for the Chilean Fresh Fruit Association, a position she has held for the last 11 years, Ms. Karen Brooks. With roots in Wisconsin, Karen continues to have an interesting international produce career Spanning 30 years that began in Taiwan with opening an office for Zespri Kiwi Fruit that successfully launched the Gold Kiwi Fruit throughout Greater China. And yes, Karen is fluent in Chinese. She is incredibly accomplished and will tell you more about her produce career. Karen, take it away. Hey, Karen. Good to connect. Glad you could make the show today. Hi, Juanita. It is so awesome to be here. Like, this is an historic day for me. This is my first podcast ever. So I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, we're so honored because you are the first woman in produce on the global series of the Produce Industry Podcast. And in terms of global, you could not be more appropriate. With your 30 years plus experience in produce, you spanned everything from Asia to North America. You began your career in Taiwan, overseeing the Zespri Kiwifruit Office. And for the past 12 years, you have been the North America Managing Director for the Chilean Fresh Fruit Association. So today, we take our listeners to Chile to learn about the upcoming Chilean fruit program. Over to you, Karen. Wow. You know, I don't think I've ever had that nice of an introduction. Thank you. I, I am feeling very honored to be here now. First woman. Woohoo. Yeah. And also <laughs> a, a little known fact about Karen is that you speak Chinese. You majored in that for four years. So that would be a little bit of interest to, to find out uh, what, what interested you to uh, learn Chinese. Oh, that is, yeah, that's a really weird story. You know, I grew up in this tiny town. Uh, it was a village and people always laugh when I when I say that I grew up in a village, but it, but it is a village, the village of Wrightstown, Wisconsin. My mom said a few years ago, like, we've had a tremendous growth in Wrightstown, meaning that it grew from about 1,200 people to 1,800 people, but it was a small town. And I was the sixth of six kids. I was definitely an oops baby. My mom had her... Uh, 
sixth child before I even had my first child. <laughs> um, that's the way things were back then. Yeah, I, it's it's really odd, Juanita. I just always wanted more. I always wanted to be someplace else. And when I went to college, I went to University of Wisconsin-Madison. Go Badgers. I noticed that, yes. <laughs> yep, love. I hope my daughter gets in there too. Um, yeah. yeah, amazing school. I was flipping through the timetable because at that point, that was a long time ago, you, you didn't look online at classes. You had a big timetable. Mm-hmm. And I saw Chinese. And I was like, that would be so fun to take Chinese. Nobody was taking Chinese. It was 1985. Like, wow, you were way ahead of the times. (laughs) Yeah. Way, tell my kids that they do not think that I'm way ahead of the times. But yeah, so I just took it as a fluke and I thought, you know what? I'll take it for one semester. It was six credits. So it was a big class. A lot of time in the language lab going, ma, 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 and doing all my tones (laughs) and things, but it really worked. And fast forward, I just fell in love with it, went to Taiwan twice during my college years, and then um, got into an intensive language program for another year after I graduated. And I was going to come back and do an international program at UCSD. And I deferred for a year. And then I just decided to stay. And I was there for 10 years. The New Zealand Kiwi Fruit Marketing Board was my client when I was at Ogilvy and Mather Public Relations. And Mm -hmm. I was a very underpaid junior account executive. And I think they knew that and they knew I was doing all the work. So mm-hmm. eventually I went I to work for them directly <laughs> and I set up an office for um, Zespri in Taiwan and fabulous times, really yes. just amazing times. And when you were, uh, when you set that office up, was it primarily in Chinese or did you speak English there as a common language? So I would say like the written language was all in English, but I was speaking primarily Chinese every day. I mean, I was putting on shorts and a t-shirt and going out to the wholesale market and and, you know, meeting with guys who rarely even spoke Mandarin. They normally wow. spoke Taiwanese because that's the local dialect. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd be there having their lunch when I got there at about eight in the morning, you know, chewing their beetle nut. You'd see red splotches all over, you wow. know, the wholesale market floors. <laughs> and that's the way to learn. That's the yeah. way to learn a language properly, especially I can imagine the inflections within Chinese. Yes. Well, I mean, you've lived abroad, so you you get it. it. You just get that much closer to people. And I think you're just that much more effective. I mean, I, I could have press conferences in, in Chinese and I went on TV multiple times wearing um, a kiwi fruit mascot outfit. That was crazy. <laughs> I would never do that again. Never. But yeah. And did you ever with Chinese? Years. I know that so much of it has to do with the inflection in terms of the meaning of the word. Yes. Do you have any interesting stories of the, of the faux pas you might have made when you first learned? I don't have a story about that, but I do have another sort of funny story. After I had lived there for a while, I was like taking a taxi somewhere at night and I got in the car and the taxi driver didn't see me. And we were just having a conversation in um, Chinese. And when we got to my destination, he turned on the light in the car so that he could, you know, so that I could like look in my wallet and get out some money. And he like jumped and he's like, Chasseren, which means like, you scared me. And I'm like, what's going on? And he said, you're not Chinese. And I said, no. He said, what are you? Because like, you speak perfect Chinese. And I, and I was like, okay, I have arrived. It was fun. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's when you know you have arrived when someone looks at you and asks, you know, where you're, 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 
accent even is perfect. It's not with an American accent. Well, br- brilliant for you. That's great. And from learning a language, living overseas, I do know about those fupas that later on you just laugh because you can't believe that you you did that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, ask any Chilean and they will say my Spanish is definitely not at that level. In fact, my <laughs> husband is Chilean. That's a total coincidence. But he's always commenting on my cute gringa accent. And at which point I just stop speaking Ch- Spanish because I'm like, I don't want to have a cute gringa accent. I want to sound like a local. <laughs> <laughs> so now switching gears from Chinese to, to Spanish, have you picked up some Spanish or are you pretty comfortable with it? Or I, so I assume I, your children probably speak Spanish, correct? People always make that assumption. And uh, that's a whole other story. But no, in fact, my daughter is a junior in high school now. Her toughest class and her worst grade is Spanish. I mean, that's so embarrassing. Oh, Oh, well, I studied, I think I am really just a language person. I studied, I studied Spanish in high school. We had two amazing teachers from Colombia and I actually was in Colombia on a like study abroad program when I was 16. My, uh, my first boyfriend was Colombian. I I remember dancing to the Thompson twins outside of a a party in Pasto, <laughs> Colombia many years ago. But my Spanish is not great. And I don't use it that much in my work because everyone I work with in Chile speaks, you know, better right. English well, that's, than my that's English. What <laughs> so. Right. Yes. And all the conferences and, and calls yeah. you have are in English. So that happens. But we're you're in good company because my Spanish is very poor as well. <laughs> yeah, I think you reach a certain age where it's just hard to learn a language any better. I mean, when I was young, Chinese was just easy for me. And then you try something when you're like 30, 40, or well, let's not even talk about how old I am. And and <laughs> it, you just can't retain things in your head any longer. It's hard. Well, I find too, in learn, trying to learn another language, I keep reverting back to French. And you might be doing that with Chinese. The first thing yeah. that comes into your mind is you have to really push it out to be oh, able yeah. to learn another language and also to get into even the the right uh, accent of the language. Yep. That's why I always say like kids, kids should start learning foreign languages when they're three or four years mm-hmm. old. That's the best. So now we're in the language of fruit and, and tell us what's going on with the Chilean Fruit, fruit Association. Oh my gosh. Anything, this- anything what is the legend? Well, you have some uh, up programs. I know cherries are coming in the fall, some of the other fruit that might be starting up. Yes. Well, we just finished our grape season, had a lot of grapes in the U.S. market this year, and our season ended quite late, actually, probably around mid-May. So we're just moving out of that into citrus and kiwi fruit, and um, citrus is like lemons, clementines, navels, and then, of course, we're bringing in a lot of kiwi fruit and that the way our organization works is that we have um, separate programs and separate budgets for different categories. So at any one time, I could be you know looking at a social media program for kiwi fruit and then jumping on a call about you know a retail promotion for mandarins and then mm-hmm. sitting down with an agency and working on plans for our upcoming cherry program. So a lot of different things going on in my head. It's it's very different from the days when I worked for like for Zespri and it was mm-hmm. like kiwi fruit, kiwi fruit, kiwi fruit. But it's fun. You know, I'm always doing something different. And I have a fabulous team of people that I work with in North America. And we're all good friends, you know. Half of my colleagues were at my wedding years ago. Oh, I mean, that's wonderful. It's a great industry, as you know. So Yeah, well, that's what's so special. I mean, I mean, you and I go way back to Zespri days as well. In fact, we both were involved in introducing the gold kiwi fruit. You, I think, introduced yeah. it in Asia, and then mm-hmm. I with the team here on the West Coast. So 
it all comes, everything comes full circle within the produce industry. And it doesn't matter where you are, because I've even met people overseas that, you know, you, I've worked with here mm-hmm. in the state. So yep. it's, it's, it's a really, it's a very, very nice industry to work in, in that regard. Yes. Um, yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. So we're, we're pretty busy right now. We don't have a promotional program for every single fruit that is exported from Chile. But um, like I said, we do have promotion programs for, for citrus, kiwi fruit. And then in the fall, we move into cherries and after that, grapes and stone fruits. So we are incredibly busy and it's it's just a fun job. I love working on behalf of growers and exporters and you know, doing whatever we can to to drive sales and and to make the fruit industry successful for them. It's really great. Yes. And you just spoke recently uh in Chile at the uh a cherry summit? Yes, it was so fun. And I have to say it was one of the best conventions I have ever attended. So informative and like 900 people were there. The day before I got on the I got on the stage and I was practicing and I said, "Wow, it's been it's been a long time since I've spoke to this large of an audience." And then a lot of I people sort of looked yeah. around. Yeah, I was like, I don't think I've ever spoke to this large of an audience, but I I like being on stage. I I'm I, I don't know. I went. It's just part of my personality. So it was it was really fun, and it was a great opportunity to elevate the North American market. Like North America is the secondary market for Chilean cherries, but mm-hmm. the secondary market by far. I mean, wow. Chile exports about ninety six percent of all cherries to China. So it was nice to take the stage and to talk about the opportunities here and to showcase some of the great work we've done because we really did do a fabulous job this past year. And we also brought down um, an importer, an importer of Chilean cherries to talk about the season as well. So yeah, hopefully we'll be able to go back next year and uh, and do even more. Yes. Well, I want to hear more about that, but now is a perfect time to take a break and hear from our sponsors and some of those relationships in the produce and supply chain industry. Are you ready to enhance your skills? Every day we are tasked to make fast, effective decisions to keep up with the fast-paced produce industry. At AgTools, we take the pressure off of gathering data to help make your day easier and more enjoyable. Connecting the supply chain with AgTools is unique, practical, and easy. AgTools can be used from multiple angles of the produce industry, from farmers all the way to logistics companies. We call that 360-degree decision-making day after day. Visit us at www.agtechtools.com to gain more reliable and relevant data to see more, achieve more. And now, back to our show. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast. If you are just joining us, welcome and thank you to all of our sponsors. Let's go ahead and get our featured guest, Karen Brooks, back on the line with us. Welcome back, Karen. Hello. Here we go again. Yeah. You left us in suspense in terms of the the (laughs) Cherry Conference in Chile. I wanted to hear a bit more about it. You said 900 guests. Where were these 900 people from? I mean, were they mainly grower shippers or government officials? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? It was very, very interesting. So it is a global cherry summit, but the majority of people attending were um, growers and exporters from Chile. There were also some people from China. Um, Some of those people were speakers at the conference, um, but I believe there are also a few large importers from China who came to attend, a few from the U.S., and I believe even a few people from the U.K., 
Um, but primarily, like the main focus was on Chile. And is, is that as you can imagine, it is it's a massive industry. Like I was looking up numbers yesterday, and it's funny. I was going back and reading these articles from years ago, and there was one. It said, "Oh, okay, 2017-18, Chile hit a record volume of 150,000 tons of cherries." Okay, this past season. 2022-23, it was up to 415,000 tons, okay? And it's still growing because they said, you know, only about 50% of the planted acreage is under production. So if, wow. you, if you can imagine, like, when that increases, I mean, the volume is just going to grow exponentially. So yeah. And was this planned because they felt that they could really compete in the cherry market? There was really a, a good market for this and in terms of the Far East and the U.S. And what are your main markets? Well, so when it comes to cherries, Chile is pretty much it. I mean, I don't have the exact figures in terms of how production in Chile compares to the rest of the world, but Chile is definitely like the by far the world's biggest grower and exporter of cherries, right? So yeah, there's just a huge market in Asia. I mean, if you are in anywhere in Asia around Chinese New Year, the whole like gift giving business mm -hmm. um, and the traditions around that are enormous. So we have perfect timing with Chilean cherries that's because their availability right. is right at Chinese New Year. So I think our marketing team has really capitalized on that. And then right. if you look at all the opportunities to sell things online, the mm -hmm. whole selling uh, gift boxes of cherries through uh, e-commerce has just taken off. It is, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Unlike anything that you would ever see in North America. Tell us what some of the programs, how are you managing the marketing programs, segmenting, segmenting them here in, in the U.S. market? Okay. So in the U.S., you know, obviously everybody's excited about cherries now, right? I mean, I'm excited about cherries now. It's the domestic mm -hmm. season, some great pricing out there. I've been buying cherries like $3.99 a pound, yeah. $4.99 a pound. Everybody just stuffs themselves on cherries for a few months in summer, but then they're gone, right? I mean, you mm -hmm. eat them for a few months and then you don't have cherries until next summer. So a lot of um, consumers don't expect to have cherries December, January, February. And right. in the past, we haven't had really significant and consistent volumes of cherries coming in from Chile. So our main goal this past season was to get retailers on board. So, you know, what we did is we work with um, a company that tracks ads. So we were able to go back mm -hmm. a few seasons and say, okay, well, let, let's look at, like, say the top 40 retailers and let's see when they advertised in previous seasons. And if somebody was just advertising once in December, how can we get them to advertise again in January and again mm -hmm. in February? And what are some other programs that we can use to increase visibility in the produce department? So one big thing that we did this past season that will expand in the coming year because the retailer was really happy with it was bins. And we've never had, ah, okay. we've never used bins before. I know that they can be a very successful merchandising tool, but it's not the easiest thing to implement. But we had a large chain approach us and say, hey, we want to have cherry bins. So we designed the bins, we produced the bins, and they were up for three months in the produce wow, department. Wow, that really so, does push the, the volume. Yeah, it really did. But, you know, I think whether it's cherries or any other program from Chile, our strong point, the Chilean Fresh Fruit Association, that is, is that we have merchandisers 
who have been working in the produce industry, gosh, each of them have has more than 20 years experience, right? Mm-hmm. So like when I go out to a trade show with our merchandiser who's based in the Midwest, I always say like, Allison, okay, when we walk into the hotel, you are not going to look at who's in the bar because if you look there, <laughs> you are going to get stuck because she yeah. knows everyone. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's great because our merchandisers know everyone from like the produce director to the to the category manager to the specific buyers, marketers, mm-hmm. social media people so they can go in and really connect all the dots so that yeah. we can have promotions that really work for a specific chain. We don't have any one size fits all approach. Everything we do is very custom and targeted. Mm-hmm. And that's also the key to success. But going back to what we talked about earlier, it's developing the relationships in the produce industry. Yes. That has really been a hallmark for this industry. Yeah. And those relationships are invaluable. I mean, so Mm -hmm. whenever people say like, well, you're just putting together like retail promotions, anybody can do that. I'm like, yeah, you try getting, you know, the blueberry buyer from X chain to pick up the phone right? or, you know, answer an email. It takes a long time to build up those relationships and there it's, it's worth a lot. It's for yeah. Sure. Because uh, as the, over the years, this whole industry has evolved to the point where, as we know, especially with computers now and emails, people are getting just num- numerous emails and yeah. they're more apt to, to answer the emails from people they know and, and want to get things rolling with programs versus just you know, there are 250 or 300 emails that come through. Exactly. Because I mean, if you think that you can just throw money at a retailer and, you know, they'll pick up the phone or answer the email. No, I mean, Mm -hmm. for these retailers, they're used to getting a lot of funding, put it that way. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's not necessarily the funding that you're giving them. It's just, you know, the support you've given them in the past. And, you know, the fact that you have been working with them for the past 10 years to build their business. And I I think it also helps us that, you know, we're not just talking about one fruit, you know, we're Mm -hmm. working with retailers throughout the year, because there's always something fresh available for chili. Mm -hmm. So that puts us in a different position as well. It's funny. I'm trying to imagine fresh cherries in the the cold of winter in Wisconsin, (laughs) (laughs) the middle of the winter. I mean, how do cherries do in these cold climates? Are Um, consumers uh, picking them up and... Yeah, I have to say it was an incredibly successful season for us. And like my own perspective on it as, as a consumer and as somebody in the produce industry who actually eats a lot of fruit and vegetables. And, you know, it seems like we all should, but we all know that a lot of people in the produce industry survive mainly on steak. So (laughs) as you know, speaking from the perspective of a consumer, it was really nice to go into my local produce department and see something different. You know, I get a little bored with what's available in the winter months. So I think, you know, if you look at fruit and what is seasonal, is there any other fruit that is seasonal apart from cherries? I mean, it feels like we can get every single fruit 12 months a year from somewhere, Mm -hmm. which is great, but it takes a little bit of the excitement away, right? Mm -hmm. So no, we, we had a great season and we actually found out Well, I think we actually knew about this earlier, but this year we actually promoted it. February is National Cherry Month in the Ah, U.S. 
Okay. And it's Valentine's Day. So you have- And it's Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of great things that we could sort of grab onto for promotion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're we're already planning. I think I need to submit a proposal in the next month for the coming cherry season. And we're bringing in more volume and we have a a little bit more uh, resources. So that'll be great. It's probably our, our biggest spend in the market right now. It's big, the fastest growing category for us. When do you expect the cherries to arrive? When are they expected to be here? So the season starts, um, you know, we make it a few cherries in late November, but it really kicks off in December. So December through February. Just in time for the holidays. So again, something different on the table for the holidays. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, now, like I I said earlier, we're just in the heart of the kiwifruit season and the citrus season. So yeah, trying to figure out exactly how we want to promote that. I might even uh, try to get my son, who's always on his phone making videos anyway, to make some videos with uh, with kiwi fruit and citrus because he eats a lot of it, right? And and he's a soccer player, a golfer, so you know maybe we can. He he might go online and talk a little bit about how he incorporates. Uh, kiwi and citrus into his uh, into his daily life. Yeah, that's where it starts with the kids, getting them involved with the produce. That's excellent. Yeah, yeah most definitely. So with cherries starting in December, they'll go through probably until when? February. February. Oh, oh, that's right. February. And then when do the grapes kick in? So grapes also start around December, but our season has changed over the past few years. We have a lot of competition now for grapes. And and that is the one thing that has really changed with chili. I mean, in previous years, like several years ago, it was it. Like chili mm-hmm. was it. If you wanted to That's get right. grapes in the winter, mm-hmm. they were from Chile. You yeah, I remember that. Berries, they were from Chile. Mm-hmm. And now a lot, you know, there a, a lot more fruit is coming in from other countries in the southern hemisphere. So it's been good in a sense because it's really pushed everyone to like up their game. So Chile is bringing in a lot more new, newer varieties, better quality fruit. But like I said, our seasonality has changed a bit because there's so much Peruvian fruit coming in early mm-hmm. that our, our key period for promotions of Chilean grapes has shifted a bit to mainly like March and April. So mm-hmm. we do have fruit coming in, in earlier, but our main period, our core period for promotions would be those two months, okay. March and April, and then a little bit into May. And are you finding the volumes, you know, how are they fluctuating for grapes with the, even with the climate, the climate is changed. I mean, just a few weeks ago, there was an article that Mexico is way down on grapes for this time of the year, just just due to the climate. Yeah, it's. Changes. I mean, <laughs> well, you know, produce. There's uh, nothing ever stays the same. That's for sure. I think that our volume to to North America has come down a bit, but that's just because. Chile is always expanding and growing and developing new markets. So our overall volume is quite stable, but probably the volume that will be coming to the U.S. over over the next few years might be going down a bit just because of new market development. Mm -hmm. And also developing new varieties at some point and shifting. Yes. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I have to give some credit to the Chilean growers and exporters for is that they're really listening to the market now. And, you know, if the U.S. market is saying, you know, we only want these varieties, we don't want these varieties. Well, that's what we're growing now. And that's what we're shipping because people know that, you know, you have to supply what the market wants. Yeah. No, that's a smart move. 
Yeah, it's a very competitive market. And you just, if you want to maintain your position in that market, you need to give the market what it wants. Mm -hmm. Well, excellent. It's really been an enjoyable half hour, hour talking to you and listening to uh, what's going on with uh, the Chilean Fresh Fruit Organization, the varieties, the different types of fruits and promotions. And I've also really enjoyed the first part we heard about a little bit about your background. I'm sure the listeners really uh, picked up some interesting facts about you. I guess it, the time went by so quickly. Um, I hope I wasn't rambling. I tend to do that sometimes, but this was a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I, as I said, I, we go way back and I really enjoyed the, the time we spent together here learning about you and the organization. Well, thank yeah. you so much. And we'll definitely see each other at the next trade show because oh. as my husband often says, there seems to be one every month in our industry. <laughs> yes. And we don't see that trade show will be the next trade show. So absolutely. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for joining today. As we say, say here at the Produce Industry Podcast, we will see you in the fields and on the horizon. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Produce Industry Podcast Global Fresh Series with Juanita Gallio. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon to get new fresh episodes. For more, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Produce Industry Podcast. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.